What's up, guys? We are live. If you were with us just a few minutes ago, we appreciate uh, your patience. Technical difficulties. We did make some changes, updates in the studio. Ty, it looks amazing. Thank you. You guys, and you and Julian did an amazing job of that, so appreciate that. Today's Focus Friends for Episode 12, we're going to be talking about Gen Z, a very important generation that you want to connect with. Maybe you've got a team of employees. Um, and you're really trying to connect with them and you're failing to do so. So one of the things that you want to do is you want to talk with them, connect with them. And we have brought in an expert, someone who we consider to be the perfect representation of what Gen Z is all about. We've got the lovely Alyssa Bustamante. Welcome to the show, Alyssa. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. Alyssa is part of the Seven Figures team and has been a consummate professional in terms of being a leader, in terms of, you know, representing the values and principles that we want to stand uh, as, as a company. And so she's going to give some insights there to connect with Gen Z. And I think it's so, important to note, Leo, yeah. that if you're a Gen Z out there watching, wondering, am I a Gen Z? Because when I was going around to our employees that I knew were Gen Zs, a lot of them didn't even know that they were. So 1997, that's the cutoff, right? If you're born after 1997, you are likely a Gen Z and you should listen. Exactly right. So wait, that makes you a millennial then, yeah? That does make me a millennial. Okay. And Exciting. I think, and I, I think millennials started at like, was it 81, 82 maybe? I believe so. So I, I, so. I think I'm right at the end of the Gen X. So I'm Generation X. If you know anything about Gen X, you better be ready for Gen X. Tall T's. That's all I know about Gen X. Exactly. So let's jump into our topics today. So our money topic is the top businesses that are recession-proof in 2023 and potentially what you can do as a business owner, as a, you know, a, a you know, member of a family, individual, what you can do to make sure you're recession-proof going into 2023. So that's going to be the money topic. Yeah, for sports, we're going to talk about the, uh, the playoffs. It was an... Awesome. It, it looked like we were having a bunch of blowouts that turned into phenomenal games, and I think yes, we were only off on one did. pick. So we'll, we'll mean, break that down and then talk about the games to come. Apparently, it was. It's called Super Wild Card Week, and I think it was. It was super. Yeah, super wild it was card awesome. Weekend. All right, then we got our mindset. Uh, your 2023 guide to encouraging employee accountability in the workplace. I know we're going to talk. I know Alyssa's got a lot of strong opinions on accountability, and that's something that we as leaders need to do a better job of. So if accountability is an issue with yourself, with your team, with your company, we're definitely going to talk about what you can do to make sure everybody is more accountable, starting with yourself going into 2023. So that's going to be our mindset topic. Yeah, and then the, the family piece, we love to talk about families. We're all family people here. We're going to talk about America's uh, fertility dilemma. Yeah, it's gonna gonna catch some of you off guard. You're gonna think, wait, we have a fertility problem in America, not in the way you think we do, but in a different way. And actually, it's not uh, it's not unique to America. It's actually even even bigger problem around the world. Massive, massive issue out there. And so then our mastery topic is going to be, and and this is where Alyssa is really going to shine and give us some important insights. And that's why connecting with Gen Z will exponentially grow your business. It will attract more Gen Z um, clientele and customers, which is a growing, you know, segment of the uh, consumer population out there. And also what you can do to connect better with Gen Z when it comes to, you know, bringing them on as a team member, employee, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and then to bring it home, Leo, we want everyone out there to, to know what it takes to gain financial freedom. So we're going to talk about or bring up four self-made millionaires and their number one strategy to how they built that wealth. 
Amen. And obviously, the Go Figure Podcast Show, that's what we're all about, getting your money right in 2023 for you, your business, your family, et cetera, et cetera. So six amazing topics and segments we're going to dive into for you guys today. Again, if you uh, love this show, if you're getting value from it, make sure you're giving us a thumbs up. We got Jillian watching uh, the, the comment box. So if you have questions, comments, let us know and she will bring those up in the show. And if you have not subscribed to the channel, subscribe and make sure you share it with other friends, family, especially those who want to get their money right in 2023. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. All right, friends, let's begin with our very first topic here, which is the top businesses that are recession-proof in 2023. Uh, Unbelievably enough, one of our big strategic partners out there is a group company called Lendio, and this is actually one of their articles that they recently wrote. And so they kind of put together a list of what the top recession-proof businesses in 2023 are. And just curious, before we jump into this, like, just off the top of your, your head, Ty, like, what would you think, hey, this, this is probably a recession-proof business? Yeah, I, I love that this list came from Lendio, too, because yeah. they have their own decision logic, their yes, own underwriting do. rules, so they can actually see which businesses are doing well and which ones aren't. So this is probably more accurate than some random newspaper. Um, my guess off the top of my head, if I was looking recession-proof immediately, I just think to necessities, you know, things Good like point, yeah. uh, doctor's practices, dental practices, tires, uh, appliances, things that you have to have no matter what, you're going to find a way to still purchase. So that would be my initial take is necessities. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Those are necessities. And, and you think about things that are necessities now that maybe, you know, weren't when I was growing up, Alyssa, and <laughs> that's like cell phones, cell phones and, you know, your, your, your internet subscription, your utilities you're paying for, I mean, things like that. But certain things started off as maybe a want and now they become a need like you've got to have your cell phone even the even the poorest people in the poorest nations across this planet will have a cell phone it was always funny to me like uh, when i lived in uh, santiago chile and, and chile is actually one of the more successful economies down in south america but i was in one of the poor areas you would go down the street tie to the in the poorest neighborhoods and walk in there and they would have the nicest tv and the nicest stereo system nicer than I had in America. I'm like, wow. So everybody has their priority of, of what's important and, and whatnot. So let's let's get to it. So number one, discount retail. Think Walmart, think Amazon, regardless of what's happening, like you've got to have your toiletries, you know, you've got to have your deodorant, you've got to have, you know, toothpaste, all these things that are necessities, you have to have basic food. So it makes sense that that would be a recession-proof uh, business. And speaking of food, number two that they list, groceries, food, and even specialty foods. Even when times are tough, like, hey, we, we've got to eat, we want to eat, uh, America loves to eat, so groceries is, is up there. You know what's interesting about that, Leo? We were, my wife and two boys, we were just on a, a road trip, and yeah. 
on our way home from St. George, we stopped at McDonald's because that in, in Beaver that was oh fantastic <laughs> that, was, that was our only option. I've so we been stopped. to that McDonald's. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So we stop at Mc, McDonald's and we all get like a McDouble, whatever that that cheeseburger is. It was fine. We got that and some fries. And I was like talking to Maria. I'm like, that was cheaper than going grocery shopping. It, it's almost like nowadays oh, wow. because of inflation and the yeah. cost of eggs and steak and chicken, like. It's almost cheaper to eat fast food than it is to go grocery shopping and cook a healthy meal. It, no question. I was watching on uh, Tucker Carlson last week, and he had the, this lady who was known as the egg lady, and she has all these chickens. And, and uh, just right in the middle of the city has all these chickens, a little chicken uh, farm in her backyard. And for years, people were taking, talking, crap, oh, what do you have, all these chickens? And, and she, they lay a lot of eggs. And so now apparently the, the cost of eggs, my wife was saying, has gone up like, 150%. Like, do you guys yes. buy eggs, Alyssa? All the time. What, what are you protein. seeing out there? What, yeah. yeah. Yeah, protein. What are you seeing out there with eggs? Jeez. That, milk, all the essential things that you need. You guys have brought up meat, chicken. All of those essential things are so high in price right now. To prioritize them over junk food, like you guys are saying, I mean, it's hard. But, I mean, you want to have a healthy lifestyle, so, of course, you're going to go and depending on your priorities, go and purchase the healthier options. I have a funny story about that. I was at, at Walmart <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, which I'm never going back. I, I swore, I've, I've oh sworn I'd never gosh. go to Walmart again multiple times in my Walmart life. Is this great. was the end. This <laughs> was my great. final straw. Maybe it's because it was in Cedar City, Utah, but... Um. Before I tell the story, I'm done. Forever. That's where my parents shop. They have to drive up there from exactly. Gainesville. There's no uh, Walmart. You, you can shop Walmart online. That's acceptable. I'm never going back in person, though. Um, so I'm sitting back in the dairy area, just minding my own business. All of a sudden, I hear, what the f, f word yeah. starts flying. She's like, <laughs> this lady's like, what the fuck? Eggs are 547 a dozen. <laughs> and I'm like, blown away. I don't do a lot of the grocery shopping. And so I was like, this lady's crazy. But then I read on the news literally a week later that the cost of eggs has gone up like 200% because yeah. of that salmonella issue. So it was kind of interesting that I was thinking she was just some psycho lady at uh, Walmart, but oh. apparently she is justified. Eggs have gone crazy. They really have. Yeah. F word in public crazy, though. What do you think, I Alyssa? think so. She's a Gen Z. I mean, <laughs> Alyssa's like, what the is going on? Exactly. Socially so, unacceptable. So basically what we're saying then is if you're in the egg business, if you're in the egg industry, maybe little dairy, you are recession proof. Yeah. No question about it because people still going to need eggs. They got to eat eggs. What else are we eating for breakfast? Eggs are healthy. They're, they're a great source of protein. protein. So eggs. Very if easy for kids. you're in the egg kids. industry, yeah. you're in good shape. Household essentials. What is household essentials uh, like? What does that cover? Paper towels, paper air filters, towels. toilet paper. Toilet paper. Remember the pandemic <laughs> times? Oh, no, we got a toilet paper again. And everybody everybody was literally fighting over toilet paper. Yes. You well, could, I mean, yeah. It's a need. You, you don't want to use the leaves out there. That, no. that doesn't work very well. Leaves rashes. All right. Bidets. Uh, bidets. Bidets. Yeah. Very, uh, very Costco good. Has them. It's a good upgrade. <laughs> Good upgrade. Add the bodega to your bathroom. And we're, we're going to talk about that one, too. Um, all right. Utilities is next. So, obviously, you know, you've got Internet's pretty much a utility now. You've got your heating, electricity. Right. There's only so much you can turn the heat down. And, 
And so utilities, if you, and, and that's why you always see some like Warren Buffett literally invested in Rocky Mountain Power, our power company for a lot of Utah, because it's such a great investment. And you know what else happens to it every single year? It's uh, systematically goes up like three or 4% every year, every year. All of a sudden, you know, a decade goes by and you're like, wow, the power bills doubled. How did that happen? <laughs> that's, that's why they keep on uh, raising it. Uh, accounting, that's interesting. You know, all the things that we don't want to do, and, and especially if you're a business owner, and, and obviously your dad is a, is a CPA accountant, and we talk about this, there we have trusted professionals. I'm not doing my taxes. I'm not doing our business taxes, all of our, you know, stuff. And so accountants are very valuable. And regardless, you know, there are certain things that we're going to still need to pay for. Yeah, I think most people have found that it's way more expensive to do it incorrectly than it is to just pony up even during hard times. It's going to be more valuable by doing it right the first time. Yeah, so you think of accounting, you think of, you know, if you have to get an attorney, you're not going to DIY that. Same thing if a doctor, right? Like WebMD only takes us so far, (laughs) and we're like, I'm not really sure what I have. uh, My son, uh, we were in Portland at his uh, soccer tournament over the weekend. Great tournament. It was actually Blue Skies in Portland, which was really crazy. Last time we were actually in Portland, another soccer tournament in December, and it was raining every second of the day. But my son injured his knee, and so what are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, well, let's go to one WebMD and, and see how we're looking. No, no, we, we sent him to the right. doctor today, got his MRI. Thank goodness everything's good. He's oh, going to make full recovery. But uh, same thing, I, I'd put financing in the same place. That's why we believe our you know, business finance is recession-proof because at the end of the day, you can hope you get the money for your business or you can work with someone who's proven to do it time and time again. And so business funding, is we've seen that to be uh, recession-proof. What, what have you seen uh, in the business finance space as far as it being recession-proof, Alyssa? Oh, geez, Leo, you're putting me on the spot here. Well, um, I mean, you are in the trenches fighting every day for business owners. <laughs> I am. Um, hmm. Trying to think. So, in essence, over the last uh, little bit, have you seen like um, a decline where you know people are like, "No, I, I don't need funding for my business, whether times are good or bad." Like, if everyone, everyone needs yeah. funding for their business, yeah. always. Yeah. yeah. Times are good, good opportunities. What about when right. times are bad? Well, I mean, you don't want to wait until the times are bad. You obviously need to get the funding when you're in a good place. Otherwise, when the times are bad and you end up going to collections, then too late. it's too late. Too late. Great point. Great point. And uh, speaking of when it's too late, uh, funeral services. Oh, no. Funeral <laughs> services are apparently recession-proof. And one reason I would talk about why we're going to talk about this later in the show is the baby boomers, right? The baby boomers are passing away. They're getting older. And that means, well, that means uh, old folks' homes, and uh, health care for people who are aging, and of course, funeral services are recession-proof. All right, uh, home repair. If mortgage interest rates go from 25 to 7.5%, how likely are you to go buy a new home? But if you already have one, you're like, no, oh, I, I could sell one, I'm going to go move into a, a lower, less of a home, or I could stay where I'm at, and I'm just going to do some home repair and make my home better. Right. So home repair, home repair is doing well. It's recession-proof. Auto repair, same thing. Mortgage, uh, car loan rates just uh, double-tripled. I can go get a new car and pay a lot more, or I can just fix up my current car. I'm going to fix up my current car. That makes sense. 
Laundry. We don't want to do our laundry in America. Wow. I'm actually shocked by that one. Or maybe it's just like the stuff you need for laundry, like the laundry detergent and all the stuff that goes with the laundry. Do you think that's what that, that, that would be my me. guess. Yeah. I had a laundry service while we were having the kids and whatnot, and I even we're doing okay financially, and I even canceled it just because I don't want to pay for it. So I, yeah. it, it's got to be the, the detergents, the, detergent. the dryer sheets, the stuff like and, that. And washers and dryers are so nice now. It's yeah. so quick and efficient, like... Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're in the 1910s uh, when, you know, people were still doing it by hand. Like, we have pretty good technology. If you travel around the world, you'll realize that uh, it's different there. Some people are still having to do things by hand. So like, Nope. Yep. <laughs> Guess what else does well in a recession? That The healthy food sometimes goes out the window, and we go That's to McDonald's. Yeah. We go to McDonald's because it's quick, it's easy, and, my gosh, it's actually comparable to the cost of going to the grocery store since eggs went up 300%. It's, so, it's delicious, I mean, I understand. <laughs> so but. if you own some fast food restaurants, you may always be busy, but... It's important to get your healthy foods, people. I agree. <laughs> Well, maybe you can still afford the gym membership, but I don't see that on the oh. list, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, the gym is not recession-proof, guys. I'm not seeing it on the list either because that's what people do. Gosh. Times get tough. They're like, yeah, I'll work out from home. Most people probably don't, but they're like, oh, I will. And so they right. cut that out, and then they're like, oh, I will eat healthy. No, I'm going to go eat fast food. So those are, those are things that happen not good for people's overall health. Guess what else? And we learned this during the <laughs> pandemic, right? No. There were certain things that were pandemic-proof and still essential. And if you had an alcohol-based business, the liquor store, that was essential, and it's recession-proof. Why is that? Because when times are tough, people drink. <laughs> times are good. People, it, people still drink. It's like funding. It's I need money to stay in business for opportunities. When it's bad, I need money. And good or bad, like people still... I would argue it is. It was essential, too, because there are a lot of people that are full-fledged alcoholics and addicts, and if they quit cold turkey, they could die. Like, yeah. Oh, I forgot about you, that. You can't just quit alcohol cold turkey. They had to stay open, but uh. they, they not just stayed open. They boomed. <laughs> I'm wondering how large of the percentage of those people, though. You'd be surprised. Really? I think you'd be surprised how many alcoholics there are out there. It's, it's the secret underbelly of America where there's Jeez. a lot of drinking. Times are tough. That's Functional alcoholism true. is real. All right. Speaking of times are tough, bankruptcy lawyers are recession-proof. Okay. Bankruptcy lawyers. Times Not are tough. tough. You can't pay your bills. You go to collections. All right. So bankruptcy attorneys get busy. I would think they get less busy probably during good times, though. So, But recession-proof, you know. They're out there to help you, uh, but unfortunately, you cannot bankrupt your student loans. You are stuck with those. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> bankruptcy are collection and repo agents. We yeah. see this, right? I remember, you know, it was uh, it was like 13 years ago, 08, 09 recession. Um, everything in my life is falling apart, and I remember a Saturday morning at like seven o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to sleep in, and I hear my garage door being opened manually. I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" I ran down there. Repo guy was there. I didn't know if you fall behind like 45 days, they come for your car. I'm like, "Wow, I thought I could fall behind a little bit more." Nope, he was there. He was uh, there. So the wow. collections, the repo agents. Um, it was funny. Here's 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 something that's super funny. 
So literally two streets over, we lived in this private neighborhood, you know, we're in foreclosures, it was 13 years ago, and there was this guy that owned this 10,000 square foot home, just like two streets over, and he owned a collection company. Really nice guy, we played basketball, oh, like no. church basketball together, and all of a sudden we got this collection from like an unpaid bill, and who was representing, but his, his law firm. So we go to church that Sunday, and... <laughs> And my wife's all embarrassed, and actually he had no idea. He, he, it was a big collection oh. company. Like he didn't know. But, yeah, he, he had the uh, collection debt and, wow. uh, and uh, so forth. So that was, that was a good time. So that's why collection and, and uh, collection uh, law firms are recession-proof. All right. Waste disposal. Waste disposal is recession-proof, apparently. And we've got uh, business funding, e-commerce, uh, how do you make, uh, so, so all these different industries. So now here's the real question. How do you make your business or your family recession-proof? Because that's what really matters. Like all these things happen, so how do we win? Yeah, I mean, in the business funding space, it's, all, it, it's breaking it down and educating your clients as far as, you know, you don't need the money right now, but you, it's way better to have the money and not need it than vice versa. And so in the business funding space, when things are bad, when things are scary, when we're in a recession, you need that money to stay afloat. When things are going well, the economy's booming, you want that money so that you can grow. So there's always a need for finances. There's always a need for more capital, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you'll find a way to put it to work. Yeah, no question. And so as we look back, uh, you know, we've now been in business uh, four and a half years at Seven Figures Funding. And when we launched this business, and now it's an eight-figure business, like we wanted to get to the point where we could be different than the competition because that's what makes you unique, right? If you want to succeed and build something that's an empire that matters, like you have to provide more value than the competition. And I think you hit the nail on the head there, Ty. It's, it's, there's lots of finance companies out there, but there aren't really, I don't know, any that actually educate, empower you, that created a money app for business owners with myfigures.com that that, that our team, you know, and you see it in the five-star reviews, is out there serving, answering questions, going above and beyond just getting you the money. But, hey, no one taught you how credit works. Here's how your credit works. Actually paying your bills on times 35% of your credit score. The other 30% is actually how you use credit cards. So you don't want to max those out. And you don't want to, you know, open lots of new accounts all the time. And when you do go to funding, you have to make sure you don't have all these inquiries in the last six months. So there's... There's education empowering. And so in your business, whatever you're doing, what can you do that sets you apart from the competition? That is what makes you recession-proof. What else do you think makes a business or what you do recession-proof? Well, I actually just wanted to add on what you were saying. Education is huge. I can't tell you how many times I've had to talk to clients and tell them that they don't qualify and they have no idea why. Um, and they don't know anything about credit. They don't know what is a great credit score. They don't know what it takes to build your credit history. Or they'll have accounts that are way old that they have since closed and they paid off. And yes, that's great. Like you had the money to pay it off and you didn't have it go to collections. You didn't have any late payments on it. But those are closed accounts now. And those aren't applicable to anything that has to do with your credit right now. You need to have open accounts. You need to continue to make those payments on there. You need to make sure your utilization is down. Like you said, not a lot of inquiries. It's just huge, huge, huge that you educate um, because I think that's definitely what sets us apart from being any other finance company out there is the education that we give to our clients about credit, even if they don't qualify with us. We don't just shut them out the door if they don't qualify. 
we let them know why and how they can come back in the future. Exactly. <laughs> so whatever you're in, whatever industry, profession, whether it's quote-unquote recession-proof or not, if you're providing more value than the competition, if you have a competitive advantage and you clearly articulate that in your messaging, people will want to do business with you because we're, we're not in the information age anymore. Now we're in the age of trust. How important do you feel like, you know, trust is with business and, and how do you, like, increase your trust? I, I think trust is everything especially in a, a somewhat service-based industry where we're gaining very private in- information. We're asking them for something like a social security number. The trust is imperative. And what's interesting is a vast majority of your trust comes within the first 60 seconds of your interaction. And, and so having a very, very strong, confident opening statement, understanding that you need to ask the right questions, you need to make it about the client, Right, we use the doctor analogy all the time. This is something that I like to teach all of our reps. If you're not asking the right questions and identifying the actual need, it's kind of like I go into the doctor's office today because I've got a really, really sore throat. And the doctor walks into the office and says, oh, don't worry about it here. Take these pills and your throat's going to feel way better tomorrow. He didn't, I came in there with, a sore ankle, I came in there with a broken arm, I came, whatever I went in there for, the doctor didn't diagnose that, he just came in with the solution. Well, that, that wasn't my problem, so that's not my solution. Gaining trust comes down to asking the right questions, identifying the actual problem, so that when you do present the solution, it makes sense, and, and they feel like you actually understand their need. Amen. So, so big. And so that's what sets you apart, just these little things, asking the right questions, Focusing less on, oh, my product's this and I'm that, and actually, what can I do to help you? What is the problem, the result that you need? And when you focus all in on the client, become customer-centric, that's when you can stand apart and really build something special. All right, guys, let's move into the uh, sports segment here. So we had the wild card weekend, and there were one, two, three, four, five, six games, three in the NFC, three in the AFC Let's go through these. So this is actually in, uh, I believe this is, yeah, this is chronological order of the way the games went down. So we had Seahawks and 49ers. Um, what, were your ta- what was your take on that? And Alyssa, feel free to jump in on any of Wild Card Weekend. You, I don't know if you, I'll be uh, that helpful, but <laughs> I'll <yeah>, try. See- <laughs> Seahawks, Niners, it, it was about what we expected. Yeah. Um, I think the Seahawks might have taken a, a very slight lead going into halftime or maybe tied it up, Yeah, which was, you know, the fact of the matter is Pete Carroll is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He came in there with a phenomenal game plan. He's just so outmatched across the board. I don't think there's maybe quarterback. I, other than that, I don't think there's a single position where Seattle had the advantage. They're very young. They're an up-and-coming team, but they just didn't have the roster to go go up and beat the 49ers. So... About what we expected there. Close game at half, and then the 49ers just took over and, and ended up blowing them out. Yeah, Geno Smith came out, played pretty effectively, pretty efficiently in that first half, and then uh, the 49ers kind of put their foot to the gas there. And uh, Christian McCaffrey, over 100 yards uh, running, I believe, and quite a few uh, catches as well. Debo Samuel. Um, oh, my word. Didn't he have, like, it was like a nine-yard catch and and uh, just ran down the sideline and Broke like four times. Yeah, he's, it was huge to get him back. That was yeah. his first game back from the injury, so that that was big. Um, what, about, what about this rookie? What about Purdy? I mean, this kid. 
he's just the epitome of doing your job, understanding your yeah. role, and doing exactly what your your coach tells you to do. He's yeah. he's doing it very well. All right, then we had uh, Chargers and Jaguars. <laughs> All right, dude, so we, we made the, the picks on this last week, and for some reason I'm like, oh, I just got this. I think Herbert's going to play really well. The Chargers are going to play really well, and they sure did for a while. What was the score? They were up 27-0 at halftime. 27-0, so I'm looking like an expert. Ty's like, oh, I got this one wrong, and things changed for us. Yeah, I, I even sent you a text. I was like, well, I uh, blew that one, and then halftime hit. And they totally switched spots. Um, I want to say uh, Trevor Lawrence threw four picks in the first half. Is that right? Four interceptions. And then came out and threw four or five touchdowns in the second half, which yeah. is one of only two players to ever do that in a playoff game. So incredible game. Um, very, very well-coached team. That's that's why I gave him the upper hand. It was 100%. Doug Peterson yeah. made some phenomenal halftime adjustments. The Chargers started playing not to lose. They didn't take any notes from the Falcons Super Bowl loss. They scored three points in the second half. Yeah. Yeah. And they lost. So if they literally scored a touchdown, they probably win that game. Yeah. So they lost. And our boy Van Noy dropped a pick six. Oh. That was crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. But what about Trevor Lawrence too? Your your first playoff game, you've thrown four interceptions, put your team in a horrible position, and you you know what reminded me of? It reminded me of the uh, Indianapolis Colts against Kansas City in the playoffs. Kansas and Alex Smith, they were up a bunch. I think it was Andy Reid's like first year, and and then um, and then yeah, Andrew Luck and the Colts just came back furiously and and won that game. It reminded me a lot of that. I think that is one thing that you look at when you're drafting a quarterback, like. There's something to be said about Trevor Lawrence being in those national championship games down two touchdowns, being in those ACC championships. Like That is something they absolutely consider, how they react, how they handle those big situations, because Trevor Lawrence has always been a playmaker and very clutch. So it was cool to see. So if you're in business, let's, let's look at football and business and career. Like your, Let's say... Let's say you were doing well and now you're not, or let's say you threw four interceptions in the first quarter of 2023, right, theoretically. You didn't do well, um, you didn't close your deals, you didn't do your job as well. How can you turn it around and learn from someone like Trevor Lawrence did, do you think? I mean, it just comes down to having enough confidence in what you do and knowing your role, which is equally as important as leaders that you've got to have clear-cut expectations and game plans and roles because it's on us. If someone's not performing, it's on us to to create a game plan to get them back on track. And that's exactly what Doug Peterson did. And Trevor Lawrence, on his side, he had enough confidence and and trust in his self and, and his abilities, and he came out and executed. So Yeah, absolutely. So, Alyssa, if you're going through adversity and tough times, like how do you bounce back from that? Whether it's in business, life, like this is real stuff. And we see it in game. That's why I love – Love football because you can see someone going through terrible adversity and most people fold and they quit and they, they can't deal with it. But this kid came through. So how, how do you bounce back? I think it's just a mindset. Like, for example, like going to the gym and I hadn't gone in a long time. So getting back into the groove of things, it was very hard and I wanted to give up a lot, a lot. And I did at some times, but I mean, at the end of the day, like 
if you want to get to where you want to go, you see your future goal in mind, like only you can get yourself there. You can have people that come and help you along the way, but you have to have the determination yourself and the drive yourself to get you there. Only you can get you there. So you have to have a positive mindset, know that those things can come to you if you work really hard for it and just go, just go for it. Exactly. Because Leo, when you're down 27-0, you can only score six points at a time. There's no such thing as a 27-point touchdown. And so that there's a lot to learn about that in life. Like if your goal is to get in shape and you're in a slump, you don't go to the gym once and get in shape. It, it's a process and an understanding of you can only score one at a time. But you know what's very, very real in this life? Momentum. And you go once, yes, you score is. six points, you yeah. gain a little momentum. You go again right. immediately the next day, a little more momentum. And so I think exactly. momentum is very, very important. But like you said, just having the the mindset and the willpower to take that first step is key. So a couple things. It's a process, not an event. You're focusing exactly. in on the process. And and then micro, you know, yes, it's the, the macro, the big goal I want to get to at the end of the 2023. But here are the little things I have to do today to be on track to hit where I want to in 2023 and to bounce back. So great lessons uh, in life. Thank you to the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence and Coach Doug Peterson. All right, uh, then we had another lesson here. We had the, the Dolphins and the Bills, and the Bills jumped up pretty quickly. They were up 17 to nothing. Okay, no surprise here. And then the Dolphins showed amazing heart, and they had their third string. Also, isn't he a rookie quarterback? Yeah, he was picked just right before Brock Purdy. <laughs> so you got the two. Two low draft picks, and this kid came in. I thought I thought he threw the ball well. I thought he, he bounced back from adversity. And uh, there was a time there where it looked like the Dolphins uh, might win. What was, wasn't it? A th- it was like a three-point uh, game. It, it was, yeah. And, you know, what's crazy is Skylar Thompson did come out and play really well. He understood his role. Mike McDaniel kind of simplified the playbook. What's, what's crazy, though, is – Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both had very big drops yes, very early did. on in that game. You got a rookie, uh, you know, quarterback. You got to help that guy out. They're yeah, they're saying one of the greatest receiving cores of all time. I mean, yeah. they they did over three thousand. Yeah, it was it was weird to see those drops. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think other than the, <laughs> weird to say this, other than the 49ers, I don't think there's any other team in the NFL going to Buffalo with a third string quarterback and losing by three and realistically could have won that game. Like, Buffalo muffed a punt at the very end. We almost got on it with the lead. Um, McDaniel had a lot to learn. We had a fourth and one play close to mid, close to the 50-yard line, and he couldn't even get a play on in time. Got a delayed game game and ended. But I was proud of my Dolphins. I I think we're a healthy quarterback away from a realistic Super Bowl run. Yeah, no question about it. And very unfortunate that uh, Tua had the concussion issues, just – not quite uh, healthy. All right, then we had uh, the Giants and Vikings, and they were seemingly just trading punches one after another, scoring at will. And, uh, boy, Daniel Jones played really well. And, and there's something there's something about the mindset that that coach for the Giants has given his team. What do you think that mindset is that's made them different? Because they haven't won a playoff game in a long time. I think 11 yeah. years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it, it's interesting. Dable is, from day one, came in to New York as the Giants head coach and said, no more bullshit. Everyone is going to be held accountable. I don't care if you're Saquon Barkley. I don't care if you're Daniel Jones. You will be held accountable. And he actually did that. 
like literally in the preseason, Daniel Jones made some little mistake, got a delay of game, comes over to the sideline, and he is giving him an earful, holding him accountable. And, and so he's built this team around the, the concept of toughness and accountability, and it's working. I mean, he does not have a very good roster. He's got the worst wide receiver core in the NFL, and they just beat a very good but phony Vikings team. So. <laughs> well, anytime you go through a season and you win 11 games by less than a touchdown, you're sure to lose one of those close games, and that's exactly what they did. So, Yeah. Good job, Giants. I think your season ends here, but great job. It's yeah, been a, no, a big we'll, turnaround. We'll definitely do our big uh, playoff picks on Thursday's episode, guys, so watch for that. That's coming. All right, then we had uh, Ravens and Bengals. Oh, my goodness, this one. So so the Ravens' uh, backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley, wasn't projected to start. He did, and I thought he played really well in this game. And so it comes to, you know, was it was the fourth quarter. It's 17-17. to 17. The ball's on the, was it the one, one and a half? The one. Line? It's on the one-yard line. And what, what, did, what did you see there? I mean, they tried to take note from Trevor Lawrence's little little wraparound reach over, get it past the goal line, but the the Bengals knew exactly what was happening. Huntley goes to reach it up, and ball gets smacked down, and they scoop it up and go score a touchdown. Granted, there was a bad block in the back. Did you see that on on the run back? Yeah, the The, uh, tight end end. He got got (laughs) just straight up pushed him in the back. Yeah, that that was bad, but – I mean, again, th- this is a situation just like the the Seahawks and the uh, the Niners. The the Bengals just are a better team across the board. Um, maybe there's some better defensive players on the Ravens, but phenomenal coaching job um, by Harbaugh to come in there yeah. and, and make that a game. The Bengals need to wake up because they can't play like that next week. Well, I think the problem they've got is they've lost three of their five starting offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was that was a big issue. But you know who we used to be the best at going over the goal line there really quick? Drew Brees. But you know what he would do? He would get jump up, ball try to get across, and then he'd pull it back because forward progress would stop, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, Huntley just kept holding it out there, and so he, he maybe needed to take a page out of Drew Brees' uh, book on that one. But... All right, and then uh, you know we had the Cowboys uh, Bucks last night. We nobody wanted to bet against Tom Brady, but I had a feeling that the Cowboys were going to uh, show up and and play well. And uh, you know who I credit with the win last night? Kellen Moore. Yes, yes, that's who I credit because uh, Dak needed to be put in the right situations, and I think Kellen Moore called a perfect game. Because they they at times couldn't run the ball at the beginning. Yeah, I mean Tampa's defense came out playing really well. I thought. Now there that that was a phenomenal game called by Kellen Moore. Dak came out and executed. He's, I mean, there was a point he threw interceptions in seven straight games and came out last night responsible for five touchdowns and their defense looked phenomenal. I I I've been high on the Cowboys all year. You know that. So I'm I was excited to see them come into playoff forum and. You know, it was sad to watch Tom Brady lose like that, but it it, was the Cowboys sad. are the better team. I'm, I'm glad they're moving what, on. What does Tom Brady do? He goes to Miami. We let Tua rest <laughs> for a year, and he goes to Miami. I, he's not done, right? He, he's not sacrificing everything he did, even his marriage, for one little lackluster NFL season. He's coming back. He was 
what, number three in passing yards this year? Maybe four? I, yeah. He was top five. Yeah, he, he still was up there. And over the last three years, they were showing the stats. Like, he's in the top three of every category and, and one in, in a few of them from all the quarterbacks, including Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and and uh, all the top uh, quarterbacks out there. So he the thing that I watched is his, he hasn't dropped off in his arm talent. Like, he can still make all the throws. Two weeks ago, he's throwing 60-yard bombs on the money to Mike Evans just right there. So he still has the skills, unless his, uh, unless his vision is deteriorating in, in any way. And, and, hey, I mean, that maybe that that's a thing when you get in yeah. your 40s. Uh, so maybe he needs to get his eyes checked. I don't know. But unless that's an issue, I mean, he still clearly wants to play, it looks like. But It'll be yeah. interesting to see. see and he'd what be he an does. upgrade for ninety percent of the teams. He, so, and Miami makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's already in Florida. He doesn't want to have to move far away from his kids. And actually, I think Giselle bought a property in Miami, and he did too, didn't he? Something like that. We'll see. I All hope right. So, all right, guys, let's move into the mindset uh, piece here. So let's jump into that. So this is an article from Outsource Accelerator. Have no idea who they are, but they had a good article about your 2023 guide to encouraging employee accountability in the workplace. And uh, interesting, uh, the first thing I, I noticed is the article's like, there is a negative connotation with the term accountability, as many think it is associated with employee mistakes. Alyssa, you are a leader at our company, and I know accountability means a lot to you. What What do you think, what does that mean to be accountable for the average employee, and why is that an important value to have as a company, do you think? Oh, geez, I can go on and on about this topic. Oh, <laughs> do. Do. Um, I just think accountability goes hand in hand with like responsibility. You come here, you have set expectations of what you're supposed to do, do it. I mean, as leaders, though, we need to lead by example and just make sure that, you know, we set those clear expectations for them of what we want them to come in and do every single day. And at the end of the day, there, there's no excuses. You just need to go in, do your work. If you need help, let us know. I think that's huge. We've talked about this before. As a team, there needs to be established trust. The way that a company functions well is there's trust between employees that you're going to get your work done, that you're going to help someone out if they need the help to continue to press forward or if they're sick or if they just can't make it or, you know, we are all here to help. We're all here to succeed. We're all here to get money. So the best way to get money is just to do your job, do it right, and just make sure that if you can't do it, that you're reaching out to someone that can help you move that forward. Well said. So like leading by example, setting clear expectations is, is big. How important is it for management to actually hold people accountable across the board. And if they don't, like, how does that screw with the team culture and values? Oh, it's huge to hold people accountable as management just because I think over time, if people get this expectation of, you know, I've done this and I didn't do it well and management hasn't busted me for it then obviously I can get away with it again and again. And a little bit gets pushed each time. Like maybe I miss work this day. No one said anything. Maybe I'll miss two days next week. Maybe I'll miss this much next week. Or maybe I'll be late to this. Or maybe I'll be late to work. Or, you know, I mean, we make phone calls all day. So if we miss one phone call, 
that's a huge thing that yeah. a person has a bad experience. Then we can't move them forward in the funding process unless they're willing to give us another chance to move forward. So if we're not holding them accountable to meet those expectations, I mean, it only goes downhill from there. I mean, you can't have a good functioning business if we don't have those expectations and then discipline that comes with it that they meet those expectations. No question. So, Ty, what's the best way to hold someone accountable? I, I mean, I, th- I think it goes deeper than that. Like, it, it's it's the way you view accountability. It's the way you present these expectations being it's not that these are rules because we want you to hate your job. These no. are the expectations we have in place so that we all succeed. These are the things that if you're going to be a top f- performer, you have to do. But when it comes to actually, you know, someone knows those, it's clear cut. We've got real expectations for them and they still mess up or they blatantly show up late to appointments. It, it's a matter of, I, I think the best way to do it is you, you've got to rip off the Band-Aid, right? Like you said, if, if we hold one person accountable and the other not accountable, we're going to lose a lot of trust. We're going to lose a lot of uh, validity as leaders that people won't know what to expect from us. So it's a matter of you've got to be willing to rip off the Band-Aid, hold people accountable and you know, put realistic, not punishments, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, realistic outcomes. Like, so they know beforehand, it's not up in the air. Well, if I miss an appointment, I might get in trouble. I might not let them know beforehand. If you miss an appointment, this is what happens. So they can't. Real consequences. Exactly. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, Realistic consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's important. We got to define those consequences. So your business, your team, You've got to be consistent. If you're not consistent across the board, if so and so's your, you know, your friend, your family member, and you just give them a, a free pass, and other people don't like nothing erodes trust and credibility more than that. And I know for us going into 2023, one of our big, the, and on on the business plan I wrote it is accountability is our theme, and everyone's going to be accountable, and then you've got to hold yourself accountable. And, and you've got to be real if you don't follow through, but nothing's more important than following through and leading by example with accountability. So an important, important issue. And in my opinion, I feel like across the board, and you see this in media articles, I could even see in this one, they're like, accountability has a negative connotation to it. No, accountability is a negative thing because nobody wants to be accountable in 2023. They don't want to be accountable. They don't want to you know, admit to make a mistake. They don't want to have a negative consequence. They want to get their participation trophy because they, you know, tried and that's not good enough. You have to perform. You have to do your job. You have to do what you say you're going to do. And, and that's a, and, and the top, the top companies do that. And that's why they're the top companies. And so do the top performers. And another suggestion I would have with that too, as, as a business leader, when you're putting out these consequences and expectations and you're helping people learn how to be accountable and what we expect make sure that they also know the positive consequences. Like, here's what happens if you don't do your job. Here's what happens if you do your job, especially if you overachieve. Make sure they understand the positive consequences as well and put bonuses in place and spiffs in place because that's going to motivate people just as much. Yes, yeah. If you're all accountability and all consequence, but you have nothing that inspires people, and that means events, that means great, you know, dinners for high achievers, that means vacations – and awesome things that inspire people to want to work hard, like that's on you, management, and, and as a leader, if you are putting those opportunities out there for your team to want to do great because there's and, – and money is 
can only motivate so far. Sometimes it's the experiences that actually motivate more than money. So a really important topic, accountability. And uh, that one, of course, is in our mindset uh, section. Let's move on to a very interesting topic here. Uh, this is a one of our family topics. It's uh, America's fertility dilemma. And this is really interesting. And we've talked a little bit about this the, the last few episodes here. But for years, it was, hey, we, our planet's overpopulated. And certainly, maybe you could say that in certain areas, but you can't say that in the United States. In fact, in the United States, right now, anywhere across the world, it takes 2.1 births per woman to actually maintain your population. And once you go below that, then you don't maintain your population. And what that means is everybody who's retiring, all the baby boomers retiring, if we don't you know, replace them, then our Gen Zers are gonna have to work <laughs> twice as much to, or pay twice as much in taxes to take care of Social Security and Medicare for all of our baby boomers that are retiring. And where this is really becoming a problem is in places like Japan, in places like Europe, Russia and China, all these big countries, are their populations are projected to drop significantly over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And it's a big, big problem that's uh, coming. And so there's three factors that are affecting fertility rates, this article says. Uh, number one, you've got uh, demographics. Number two, the economics. And number three, government policy. Also, they talked about, hey, people would like to have kids, but they don't find the right partner. Um, one in four actually just don't want to have kids, even if they have a partner. And then others think, well, it's really tough to it's expensive to have kids, right? And so when we were talking a little bit about this, what can government do to kind of help with that? So this is interesting because I'm 42. I've got five kids. You are 30, and you just had your second and of course, Alyssa is young in her 20s, and uh, and she and her husband, you know, I'm sure that's something that they'll be looking at. So, let's <laughs> let's look at this. What are the challenges with having kids? Either one of you take this and run, or, you know, or, or why do, why do we think fertility rates are dropping too? I mean, here's one of the ones that I think was left out of this, and yeah. I I'm dead serious with this. I yeah. I put some of the blame on the baby boomers. And the reason why is because so many of us, especially in Utah, like I have a lot of friends that come from families with seven kids, eight kids, and they're like, my life growing up, my home life was a shit show. My parents looked like they hated their lives. Meals were ridiculous. It was just way too much. I don't want kids. And by so many of these people totally overdoing it with how many kids they had, it almost created this mindset of, I don't want that, I don't want kids. And I, I do see that with a lot of my friends, which some people can pull it off, right? I know you come from a, a very big family. I know you have five kids. For a lot of people, like my wife, she, will, she comes from a large family, seven kids. She will never, ever, ever allow us to have more than two or three, um, which I feel like we're a, a very strong, healthy couple, financially sound. We could probably have more, more than two or three kids, but... Well, because if you can at least her. have 2.1, we're good to go. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's because of her upbringing. She ha she's so scared of having more kids. So I, the, one of the biggest issues is what your experience was like growing up with your parents. And if it was difficult in a shit show, then you may not be inspired <laughs> to have a lot of kids. And as, as the oldest of nine, and I mean, yeah, I think 
my parents did a pretty good job. I certainly didn't see eye to eye with them on a lot of things growing up. I was that kid that was always, you know, trying to push for more and sneaking out of the window at night to go hang out with oh, my friends. No. Oh, yeah, that was Melissa. <laughs> Let me guess. Melissa was probably the perfect kid, just like my wife, Jill, just never did anything wrong. A little perfect angel. But, but yeah, I, I can see that being a big deal. And so if you grew up in a household where, boy, having a lot of kids and a fan, that would didn't really inspire you, so I think that's a good point. So what's your take on this? Why do you feel like fertility rates are so low, and why is a lot of your generation saying, ah, I'm not sure I want to have any kids? Um, I think like you guys, I think the older generations definitely play a huge part of that. For me, I <laughs> I did grow up in a Mexican household, and it, it's typical in the culture to have a huge family. Yeah. But for my own parents, they didn't want a huge family. And then additionally, on top of us, I think they were just like, no, like, make sure you're old enough to have kids. Like, wait a very, very long time. Yeah. And I think that has been drilled into me a lot. I mean, you can ask Ty. I won't even hold his baby. It's so cute. I love little Thomas. But I am terrified to have kids. I think a huge factor into that as well, though, is social media. I think a lot of it is a push for women, which is great, but also like it has this downturns of like women in the workplace. We want to make sure that they have their jobs and they're working hard and they're powerful. And it's kind of turning away from moms for women and instead women in the workplace. So I think that's caused a huge downturn on women wanting to have kids because they want to go out and have their career and be well-established and be the woman that you know, a lot of women envy because they're out there making money and they have this huge job and they're so powerful, you know, but woman being a mother is amazing too. It's just, like I said, I think a lot of social media and that aspect of older generations putting that push on us of like, just wait, don't like have your career first or just wait a long time and make sure you enjoy yourself as a couple or even just single traveling the world before you go and take that huge, huge commitment to have kids. Yeah, and it is it is a big commitment. And, uh, you know, Jill and I, when we got married, we were planning on definitely waiting. And then we, <laughs> we uh, learned that, uh, back, and this was back in the pill days, guys. So you take the, the pill and to not have, not get pregnant. And uh, we found out that antibiotics actually nullified the functionality of birth yeah. control and we did not know that until afterwards so by the time we were pregnant at age uh, 23 we're like well, oh, wow. well i guess we might as well have us have our kids now and and uh, we'll be you know really uh, young uh, empty nesters and so that was kind of uh, our ideas as and so we didn't really have that uh, choice but a lot of people are stuck with that decision and you're absolutely right there is a big push that you know women you don't need men um, focus on your career, you know, that's the more important thing. And, and certainly it, it does give you a lot of value and control. And I think there's a part of it was for a while men had too much control of finances and that led to inequality maybe in couples and relationships. And now there's more of a focus on that equality, which I think is a good thing. And, and yet the other side of this that isn't talked about a lot is there are, and I was, I was uh, watching a podcast earlier this morning uh, with Dennis Prager, who's a you know big political commentator, and he has all the data, and he talked about having these really successful women, CEOs, 
killers in their career, just amazingly successful business people. And by the time they were 50-year-old CEOs, they didn't have husbands, they didn't have partners, they didn't have any kids. And all of a sudden, at, at age 55 and 60, when their career is over and they're home alone and they don't have any family, and they would just sit and cry. They would just sit in these audiences and cry or sit with doctors or psychologists and said, I was sold a bill of goods and it didn't end up being true. It didn't bring me more value and happiness. And now I don't have any family and yeah, I've got money and yeah, I've got a career, but ultimately it ended up being kind of unfulfilling. So that's what people have to hear the other side of. And that's where we need, you know, the media is probably not going to do that. They're all for, I mean, (laughs) Janet Yellen, our... Our uh, U.S. Uh, Treasury secretaries out there, oh, we need to have more abortions and so women can uh, work more and stay at Amazon and do all these things. And, okay, well, that, that's great. But if they don't have kids, if we don't build families, number one, our country's going to struggle economically with so many other things out there. Uh, but number two, at the end of your life, you may have some massive regrets. That was a huge part of me having my, like, finally taking the step and saying, you know what, it's time, let's have a child. We were at my grandpa's funeral, and I saw his entire posterity, my aunts and uncles, my cousins, and, and it sounds weird, but I had this genuine fear of, like, I do not want to die alone. If my wife dies first, I, I'm so scared of dying alone. And I was like, you know what, it's time to start having kids. I want this posterity. I want people at my funeral. And it's a, it's a genuine fear, and that was a huge Part of me wanting to go ahead and start having kids. And that's important, Mike. But I think a lot of people don't get to that point where they don't think about that. And so at the end of the day, what's going to give your, what do you want? You want to live a life with no, no regrets, right? People regret the things they didn't do, not the things they did typically on their deathbed. And that's, that's certainly, uh, I think a big part of that. No question about it. All right. So are we, did we just complete 60 minutes, Jillian? We did. Guys, that was, wow, that was, a, that was a quick 60 minutes. We only made it through uh, four of our six topics, so we will save the other two topics. But, guys, great content. Alyssa, thanks so much for being a guest. That means Alyssa's got to come show. back. We didn't get into the Gen oh, Z section. You've got to come back. You're, you'll have to come back on Thursday, Alyssa. Let's start okay, with that one. Great. Yeah, yeah. you've got to come back so that we can uh, talk about those topics. But uh, okay. great stuff, guys. Guys, if you uh, love the video, if you love the, everything we shared on the show, give us a thumbs up. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, uh, we will address any of those that you put in the post in the comments section. And make sure you subscribe to the show, share it with others. And if you're you know, focused on getting your money right in 2023, getting the right money mindset, mastering some of these financial topics, if you're a business owner and you've always needed somewhere to track all this, go to myfigures.com. We've got uh, 30-day free trials for any of our memberships. They're just a few dollars a month. Less than a dollar a day, each one of them, um, in order to help you get your money right in 2023. Of course, if you need money for your business, Seven Figures Funding is uh, the place to go. But anyway, have a wonderful week. Uh, Focus on living that life without regrets. Thanks for being our guest, and we will see you on Thursday, same time. We're going to have some exciting topics. We are going to get into that Gen Z topic list. is going to have to come back for that, (laughs) and we'll make uh, NFL picks for the weekend. So God bless. Have a great Tuesday. We'll see you on Thursday. 
Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.